as we uh, head to God's Word, we're continuing our series on uh, being changed, that um, there are certain things within our life that God uh, works through in our life, changing uh, what we focus on, changing uh, what we're thinking about. Like the first passage we looked at is uh, in Romans where uh, there's a renewal of our mind, right? Uh, we talked about how there's a change of sight and how we have this faith that is rooted and grounded in what God has shown us in his word and in the world, uh, but also it's it's grounded in things that we do not see, a confidence in what God has done and what he will do, an unshakable hope for the future, you could call it. And today, uh, we're going to think about how God changes our mindset on the things that we have. That's time, that's money, that's all of those things. So we're going to head to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. If you grab one of those black Bibles, it's going to be on page like 939, 940, somewhere around there. And we're going to read the the first eight verses. Um, So Cohen, if you could move those slides for me, that would be great. There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. For I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year in uh, Achaia, you were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that Our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and to finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or in, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so in that all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Paul begins by saying, there is no need for me to write to you. Paul knows that Christ in the life of a person changes their mindset, changes the way they see things, changes the way they understand what they have. That it changes their life that they would focus not only on themselves but also the, the greater community of believers, that they would be able to focus on the other individuals. He says, I don't need to write to you because I know that you're changed and I know that you've been talking about wanting to give for the last year. I, I, I know that you're planning this and so I want you to be well prepared. And, and so this gift that the Corinthian church is giving is is not for even themselves. It wouldn't be for our own community. It wouldn't be for their own community. But it's this gift that's likely 
for uh, the church in Jerusalem. The, the church in Jerusalem uh, is, is experiencing hardship, difficulty. And, and so Paul is calling on, on the care and the mutual care of, of each community towards the churches in Jerusalem, calling places in Macedonia, like Achaia, like he had mentioned, to, to, to send funds to care for people not in their area. He's calling them to renew their readiness, to, to get everything in order before these people come to, to bring this offering over to Jerusalem. To give them encouragement that they would fulfill what they said they would do. That they would follow through on the word that they had been given. That, that they would do what they say they would do. So he thought it necessary to urge, there we go, urge the brothers in advance to finish those arrangements. That way it was ready as a, as a gift that was willingly given rather than something that would be uh, an exaction. Verse 5, there we go. One not as that it's grudgingly given. You know, we, we briefly have some conversations in church uh, elder meetings about giving, don't we, a little bit? Uh, and and our, our words and what we say about them, Harvey, right? And, and one of the things is we'll have maybe one elder will say, uh, what's the word? And now I can't even remember the word. Um, a collection. Thank you, Randy. Uh, one of the elders, apparently Randy, now that he said it, uh, they'll say, well, you know, when we take the collection at church, and Harvey's like, no, 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 no. We don't take a collection. We receive an offering. Right? It's the, the different way that you, you think about it. It puts a little different focus on it. We don't take a collection. Taking is like almost like demanding, and, and it's an exaction, and you're, you're trying to pry every last penny out. And that's, that's not what we do. We want to receive a, a generous gift, a, a willing gift, one that's been prepared for in advance, so we at the beginning or middle of the service have received an offering. Something that you as individuals or us that we, we chose to give now, he doesn't want them to not be prepared. So he says he wants to give them this advance notice because it doesn't want to seem like, well, you know, you know we're not going to have another offering after this message about giving, right? Because it's not an exaction. We're not, we're not trying to force something upon people. We want them to be ready in advance. That when they would greet the colleagues in ministry, it would not be, well, have you gotten it ready yet? Did you get the gift ready? Did, did, you, did you prepare that? that? That the first thing that they would do would not be this concern about money and this concern about caring for others in Jerusalem where instead they could come and they could join together at partners in ministry for the sake of the gospel and encourage one another in what is happening in their community, not focusing on this gift that they had promised. I think we can see two types of, of giving here in this passage. One, it is ready and it is generous. 
and the other, the other is almost extorted. It is a, a, a begrudging giving. When you, when you think about begrudging giving, it's giving with a tight fist. It's, it's giving with a tight fist that's thinking of it, all the stuff that you can keep to yourself. Yeah, I, I, think, I, can, I think I can give this one. So that I got all this left. It's, it's giving with a tight fist focused on what you can keep and all that you have rather than a generous offering that is, is giving with, with an open hand, recognizing that everything that's in my hands, everything that is, is, we would say, mine is not really mine. It's been this, this gift that God has poured into my hand and, and a gift that, that I can give to others generously, reminding myself that everything that I've been given is, is not my own, but it's it's been entrusted for the care of God's kingdom. And, and Paul uses these uh, statements, those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will, will reap generously. It's this image about the field and, and spreading seeds, right? If you sow sparingly with that tight fist... Every once in a while, you know, drop a seed here or there, sowing sparingly. Maybe we'll have a few plants come up in the garden. If you plant anything like Emily and I do, we're like extra seed here, extra seed there, because we're assuming a lot of it's going to die but we, we sow generously that seed into the ground and then we find out we have way too many plants growing in the area that we had planned on. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow generously, there will be a generous harvest that comes forth. Sowing sparingly, thinking about exaction, thinking about holding back, thinking about what you can keep, and contrasting that with sowing generously. You know, Scripture has quite a bit to say about money, and I just want to take a moment to remind us of some of these passages. Ecclesiastes, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. And then we could go to, to Jesus, the, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We serve God. We recognize God has given us everything, and therefore we couldn't have that tight fist because it's not compatible with what we believe about God. And then 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith 
and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Have you ever tried forcing someone to do something they didn't want to? It's, I think it's this picture of this tight-fisted giving, you could almost say. Just this week, we tried to force someone to do something they didn't want to. We took family pictures. And, and we had prepped up all the kids on what we were going to do. We were saying, Miss Laura's going to come, and, and she's going to take pictures of us, and Ben, you can't be making like weird faces with your tongue out unless she asks you to. No, like looking up at the ceiling and, you know, we want, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're giving some money for these pictures and we want them to look nice, but we didn't prepare Harper for them. And so halfway through, Harper is like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, she'll like, we'll say, all right, sit next to the other four kids, sit on the lap. And she arches her back and she doesn't want to do it can't force someone to do something that they don't want to if, if they have that, that tight fist. If any of you re- remembered maybe going up to your dad or an uncle that had something in their hand that they kind of jokingly took from you and, and they said, all right, you know, uh, it's time for you to get that out. You're not really trying that hard. Can you get Steve? You were gonna. You can't. You really. It's. You can't get it out. It's. It's stuck in there. You can't force someone to do something that they don't want to do. But God changes our mindset that instead of us walking around our lives with those tight fists holding on to every last ounce of our, our time and keeping that for ourselves, or holding on to every last penny. I don't know if any of you carry real um, money anymore. Or holding on to that piece of plastic in your wallet just so tightly. Instead of that, God, God opens up our life to, to recognize that when we, when we give of our time, as we, we love one another and we care for one another, as we, we fill those glasses and we begin to pour into other people, taking a, a piece of ourself and, and giving it to someone else that they may experience more wholeness, we recognize that we're being a part of this larger kingdom-minded journey that God has for us. That we could begin to care for people and meet them right where they need it. I think about the almost $10,000 that our church has, has given through the Benevolence Fund. Generous gifts by, by people here to needs that they don't even know exist to needs that they really actually don't even hear about and, and, and where they went. And yet, because of the love and compassion of our, our deacons, they, 
they hear needs and they generously give. That we may meet people right where they need it. That's the, that's the picture of what Paul is calling these Corinthian folks to, to care for and meet the, the church of Jerusalem right where they need it. And, and the reason we live this way is because, because God didn't sow sparingly. God did, did not spare his own son. Instead, he generously and graciously gave him. Jesus did, did not keep his own life, but he, he generously and graciously gave it up so that we would experience that generous, generous nature in him where he is focusing on others and, and not just himself where we too could be invited in that, where we would not just focus on ourselves, but give freely of our time and our, and our talent and, and even of our finances. You know, sometimes people wonder, well, then what's generous giving? You know, is it, is it 10%? We, all, we always like, tell us what to do, you know, kind of. Like, is it 10%? If you give 10%, great. But I don't think the percentage matters. What, what matters here in this passage is that you've given what your heart has told you to give. That you, you give a, a tithe of whatever that is of, of your time. That you could care for people physically by maybe doing physical labor with them if, if you're of that capacity that you could give a, a tithe of, of your time to, to care for and, and listen to someone when they're in a spot of hurting. That you could give a tithe of, of your time by sitting in the nursery uh, with little kids that are just sitting there playing or, or taking a moment to read to them. By giving a, a tithe of your time to, to share what God has done in your life to, to young people who are being discipled into the faith. To give a, a tithe of your time to, to help out in the kitchen before we have one of the meals on Wednesday. To give a, a tithe, a portion of your life, of your time and your talent. To see and experience God's kingdom moving forward. But then God also invites us to give a, a tithe of our finances for, for his work here, but also for his work abroad. That, that out of the, the generous nature of God that we would give generously and sacrificially and, and with gratitude and excited about what God would be doing, not only here but in other places. So I invite us at this moment to to watch uh, a video. It's about three and a half minutes long. I asked a couple folks, uh, Cody Zeiterveen from uh, Grand Valley State University and the ministry there, uh, Becky uh, Bagnall, uh, who uh, has a ministry that meets here in our church on Tuesday nights, and then as well as uh, Joel and Haley Altena, who are at a college campus in Lithuania. So hear what, what they have to say. <laughs> 
Cody Zeiderveen. I'm part of the staff team working in partnership with you at Grand Valley State University. And the generosity of the local church has allowed the gospel to go forth in all sorts of awesome ways here on campus. Because of your generosity, we are able to host weekly worship gatherings here right on campus. We have resources to start small groups so students have tangible community to walk through tangible struggles in college with. Because the local church partners with us, last night we were able to provide food for 600 students, some of whom experienced Christian community for the first time. Campus ministry is able to develop Christian leaders for life on campus here and for our community. We've been able to raise up generations of worship leaders. Here at GVSU, students are growing into exactly who God created them to be. Thanks for being a part of it. Hi there, Princeton. This is Becky Bagnall, and I am one of the coordinators for the Young Lives Teen Mom Ministry that meets uh, most Tuesday evenings in your building. And uh, we have just been so thankful to call Princeton Church our home for our Young Lives events. We work with girls from a variety of schools and neighborhoods, but most of them are central to your building. The space has been a big blessing to us. Um, the atrium is welcoming and bright when girls first walk in. The kitchen is, a, is the perfect spot for our volunteers to prepare a dinner and a space for us to gather around the table and eat together and meet and talk. The nurseries are great for our little babies and kiddos um, and keep them safe and entertained. And then we usually use the youth room with our teen moms to play games together and then to share the gospel with them. Uh, we were even able to host a day camp this past summer in July, three days that were very busy, and we kept, I'm sure, the cleaning team at Princeton um, busy, but um, we were able to use Princeton as our host church for our day camp. But more than a building and space, Princeton has been so gracious to us, welcoming uh, us very humbly, um, never making us feel like strangers, but this, this could truly be our home. We're so thankful for Princeton partnering up with us in this ministry. Um, it truly is a blessing to us. So thank you for being blessed to be a blessing. Hello, we are Joel and Haley Altana, and we serve as Resonate Partner Missionaries in Klaipeda, Lithuania, at LCC International University. When we think of all the people who support us here, we think of people like you, those of you who support us financially, who reach out to us by email and cards, as well as those who reach out for ways you can support students and even those who read our newsletters. We truly feel that we could not be here without all of these ways of support and are so very grateful. When we think about LCC International University, its fundraising model is that of being dependent upon a number of people who fundraise back in the U.S. And so as we look around at our colleagues and our friends who are here with us, we recognize that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people behind them who are supporting them in prayer and financially. So we want to thank you for your work uh, and the way that you partner with us in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ here in Lithuania. Thank you so much for your support. We're so grateful. I think there's times where maybe we forget a little bit of what's the actual impact that God has when, when we give a tithe of our time or give a tithe of our money. What, what is it? You know, sometimes we just can get stuck in on, on, on the numbers and, and say, well, you know, we, we uh, received this much in offering and we spent that or, you know, 
Uh, and that's okay. That, that's a good thing too. But we also must take time to, to think and hear the stories about how through the Faith Promise Fund, how we, we care for our missionaries that, that they were able to feed 600 students by a portion of that gift. That, that they're providing ways for students at Grand Valley's campus to experience community in small groups. That they're joining together and, and sharing in the gospel with, with kids and students, I shouldn't call them kids, students that uh, haven't heard it before. And, and thinking too, not just about those types of things, but the, the different types of ministries that happen here in this building and how the care of, of our church allows the gospel to spread on, on Friday nights as the Chin Church meets and has their youth group here with tons of kids. That, that they would choose uh, to speak a language that isn't their first language, English. They would choose to speak English to these students so that they would better be able to experience and hear the gospel. We think about stories of, of Becky and how each Tuesday night as they come in, they love and care on teen moms by, by giving the, taking their children and, and playing with them, but also being able to support them in life. That our giving, our open-handed giving to the Lord goes on to to meet people's needs where hungry people get fed, where the felt needs of people get met, where sick people can get medicine, where hurting people and struggling people are, are loved and cared for, where, where cold people or people without homes now have a, a place to stay for the night. Think about our IHN ministry where that half of the church gets turned into to bedrooms and places for families to stay. These stories of what God does with our open-handed giving of our time and, and our talent and, and, and of our money are stories to celebrate, stories to remember, things that encourage us to continue to take part in. An open-handed giving of seeing God's kingdom, his kingdom power come to fruition in all the ways that he has called us to do. So let us each continue to, to give willingly, not, not as money exacted out of our pockets or not as that tight-fisted holding on to everything that we can, but instead that open-handed giving that we could could be prepared to give generously and that God too would, would give to us back. Not always with money and he doesn't all of a sudden make each day have 36 hours so we can get more done, but that we would be blessed spiritually by what we have experienced in our lives. Let us uh, take a moment to pray and thank God for how he changes our life in the way that we think about our time and our talent, and our money. Lord, we thank you for transforming us from tight-fisted people who uh, so sparingly to instead experience the gospel, how you did not spare your son, but yet you gave him freely that we too would, 
would learn to give freely of ourselves. We pray that you would continue to, to show us those ways where people's needs are met. Continue to provide opportunity for us to see your kingdom advance. Meal by meal, conversation by conversation, warm bed by warm bed. Allow us to experience giving freely and the joy that comes with it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Today we, we get to look forward uh, to uh, a time where, where every need will be met. Where, where there will be no longer any sickness, where there will be no hurt, where there won't be people cold anymore. Where every need that we can think of, every sickness that we can think of will, will be no more because we will be in the fullness of God's kingdom. And this is just a small, a small piece of the feast that we're going to experience. Or maybe it'll be this small, but it'll just be so filling that we, we won't even know the difference. But he, Jesus, will take us and invite us to this huge feast of all his people, all his chosen ones who have, have come together around his table. And, and here we come, the hors d'oeuvres. Something that reminds us of what God has done and, and looks forward to what he will be doing. So I invite the elders forward as well as uh, the worship team. And, and I also invite at this time um, all those who, who, who God has had an impact on. All those who have been baptized and, and believe in Jesus as their Savior. All those who, who trust in him. And, and, and we believe that this feast is modeled after the Passover. And so we, we invite all God's children who have been baptized to, to take part in well as well. Because they at their age can truly understand who God is at an age and ability appropriate level. A, a, just a small amount of faith recognizing who Jesus is. At the Last Supper, Jesus took the bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. And in the same manner, he, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, said, this is the blood of the new covenant, my blood, which is shed for you. It's Corinthians that says, when, whenever we drink of this cup and eat of this bread, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And that's what we look forward to when we partake in this feast. So let us pray. Lord, it is our prayer here in this moment that your presence would truly be with us. That this bread and this cup may truly be for us the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's our prayer that you would continue to lift up all of the saints in heaven here on earth until we could be united together in one body, in one place, glorifying you. 
May you keep us united together in faith and hope and love until that day comes. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.